share quotes to start with from St. Clair of Assisi. She says, we become what we love, and we love when, and who we love shapes what we become. If we love things, we become a thing. If we love nothing, we become nothing. I want to reflect a little bit on our potential as, uh, as people, as Christians, to return God's love. It is necessary for us to show God's love uh, to avoid sin. We have to, to love God. We have to seek Him out. And as St. Alphonse says, it is very difficult to renounce sin merely through fear of chastisement. So, in a sense, have you heard the saying, honey catches more flies than poison or whatever that other thing is? I can't remember. You have to finish the quote for me. So even in our imperfections, the Lord loves us. He, he deeply cares for us. And if we're unaware of how God personally loves us without condition, we will constantly be trying to grasp love in our life. Uh, it's, it'll, it, it will be a fruitless effort in many ways, but one where we can't really help ourselves. We'll, we'll blindly seek after that love, trying to seek it out, trying to find it the best way we know how. So until we're assured and know in our hearts that God loves us, we're going to be caught in that pattern. Sin is this rejection of God's love. When we freely choose to live or act in opposition, opposition to God's will, we can't call that love. So we see it, oftentimes sin is glamorized, it's accepted, it's promoted in our culture to different, uh, some, some places more so than others. As Christians, we can't buy into this normalization of sin. We can't simply allow ourselves to become accustomed to our sins or the sins of others. We have, we have to fight and reject all forms of sin. Jesus uses a bit of hyperbole today to help us understand how serious sin is. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna. These are maybe a little startling examples. And of course, the Lord is not telling us to mutilate ourselves. He doesn't want us to cut out parts of our bodies or something like that. He's using this hyperbole to help us understand how important it is that we fight against sin, that we uproot sin wherever we find it. We can't surrender to the demands that sin makes on us at times. We can't judge, uh, we can't just ignore the effects of sin or expect their, their, their effects to be forgotten. We might ask why, why is that? Why is it when we uh, struggle with sin, we have to apply God's remedies? It's because when we sin, we necessarily are moving away from God towards sin. And anytime we desire sin or the fruits of sin more than God, that causes damage in our souls. And that damage needs to be repaired and restored, whether it's in this life or in the life to come. Cardinal Newman writes, What is so terrible about sin? Why the fuss? Because we are called to an intimate life of love with God a kind of marriage. And if we are to be in this marriage, we must be holy, and every act that brings us away from this goal is a terrible tragedy. So we die in a state of sin where we are more attracted to sin than God. That choice is permanent. We, we go to hell. That's not a good thing, of course. We call that being in the state of mortal sin. 
our soul is dead. Now, just as we can medically speak about the body and what harms the body and what's moral to the body and things like that, we can also talk about that in, in the, the soul, what kills the soul. So the church talks about that sometimes and tries to clarify different things. Sin is an awful thing, it really is, because of what it does to us. It allures us, it tempts us, and when we fall into the traps of the evil one, we put, place ourselves in his power. And the devil, who is the enemy of our souls, will use any means he can to try to draw us in, away from God's love. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't care what it takes to lead us into sin. He will use anything, anything that works. He used beauty. He used desire. He will use loneliness. He will use pity. He will use good intentions. And he twists these good things, these things that are placed in us for a reason, and he twists them to lead us down the path of sin. And we have to understand that these actions and our choices lead us somewhere. We have to see the end of our desires. God gives us freedom, and he also gives us fair warning. And the church over the centuries has tried to speak on these different things, clarifying and teaching what leads to God, and then also warning us what leads us away from God. And if we ignore those commands of God or the warnings of the church, we will fall prey to the evil one. And we can remember the story, the lesson of Adam and Eve. Not just a nice story, it's a reminder of how the evil one works. The devil twists what is good to lead us down the path to sin. So when we find ourselves, or maybe someone we love deeply, who is caught in patterns of sin, you know, it's one thing to have occasional sins or things that we struggle with that we're working on, but when we're really rooted in some kind of sin that really leads us away from God, that's a very dark place and it can be very frustrating to deal with personally or to watch a loved one struggle with something like that. So we have to have patience, we have to have uh, hope, right? Because what's the next thing? When we're stuck in sin, where does the devil lead us? He leads us to despair, right? He says, you can't change. You are stuck here. You will never be able to overcome this. And so we, we can be led into that even darker place of despair rather than hope. It's an opportunity for us really to surrender, to surrender to the need that we all have for God's grace. So sometimes our sins can even become a place where we encounter the Lord because when we're not sinning, we can think, well, I'm doing pretty good, right? Or if our sins are kind of small or hidden, we can say, well, I'm doing pretty good. But then when they become more visible to us or maybe heartbreaking to us, it's, it's, a, it's a place of surrender. Can I come to the Lord and just acknowledge, I need you, Lord, I need you in this place in my life. And to humble ourselves before God and ask for his help. So... Those are good things to do, and then we must run to the sacrament of reconciliation. Where the Lord meets us, he wants to help us to be loved, to remember that we are loved, to acknowledge that uh, he can free us from our sins, that his mercy is there for us. So we have to go and receive that sacrament of God's mercy. And we need to uproot sin where we find it, those obstacles which keep us from loving God, returning his love. You have to keep working at it. It's kind of like the weeds in a garden. You have to keep going in there and pulling them out. And they, they might keep coming back, but it's a work that we have to work at the, the, our whole life, really. It's, it's an ongoing thing. 
So today it's not my intention to scare people into doing the right thing. Hopefully that comes across. Rather, I want you to understand how much God loves you and what's at stake. And to remember that there is a way that we're called to live and that there's a way out of the darkness. If if we're caught in darkness, there's a way out. We can easily become confused by the loss of sense of sin that our world often has. We don't always recognize sin in the same way that maybe the church would want us to. And so we can become confused. Is this a big deal? Is this something I really need to pay attention to? Yes, any sin. Any sin is worth uprooting and fighting against. Lord, help us to turn away from anything that is sinful in our lives. Help us not to feel helpless or hopeless in front of our sins, but to be able to receive your mercy with confidence and great joy. Jesus, I trust in you.